Hello guys and welcome back to Mommy Jojo Uncut Mary Jo Injection episode 25 and I have Jill Ritchie on this week. She is a legend. It's quite an emotional podcast for me. Listening to it back really got me. Um, You'll understand when you hear but certainly the thing about leaving the house and I spoke on stories this morning about leaving the house as a parent and why I believe it to be one of the most stressful parts of being a mum is trying to get out the door be it for work, the school run, social occasions on the weekend it can be even harder when certain hubs of mine is around and he needs to go for a third pee and another shower and change his top and I'm going can we just go because I hate being late Um, but there's that balance between really thinking about the way we speak to these little people and make them feel when we're trying to get out the door so really powerful part in this podcast another thing (laughs) is yeah I do what's right for the company very very powerful statement it's not just about the company be it your own company or a company you work for so much more what's your wellness worth I write about this in the book I've spoken about this on the podcast before you do what's right for you guys okay Let's keep sharing, supporting. Please keep rating us, guys. Jill definitely deserves lots of stars this week. She's nailed it. You can rate every week, so please give us another star this week. If this impacts you, please send the link to someone you think it will help. That's what we're trying to do. Help people, spread the mojo, keep talking, sharing, be brutally honest, and thank you for being here. Let's get her on. Welcome to Jill Ritchie, Success Life Coach. Let's get cracking. So thank you for coming. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. It's lovely to have you here. And um, I feel like we've got loads to discuss. Um, I don't really know where to start. Um, I think we should start with your background with the corporate world. Talk about that. So tell us about your role and what was going on in your head at that place okay so i have been in a corporate role for 16 years and to be honest with you i never really saw myself being in a corporate role although i spent most of my working life there Mm -hmm. when i was a kid i wanted to be an actress same here i think (laughs) i wanted to be an actress or i wanted to be on the radio i wanted just to entertain people yeah make people feel good like I was always making up radio stations like you know used to have the old used to play, press play and record at the same time yeah I would interview my sister and get her to pretend she was like Danny Minogue or something and I just used to love making people feel good and that was my vision as a kid mm. however I was from a little place called Bathgate in West Lothian and that just never really happened to people that stayed there and mm. Even my reports as a kid was, Jill's a great kid, but our head's in the clouds, she's a daydreamer, (laughs) you know, she's just, you know, always singing and dancing and, you know, but she really needs to study. And back in the 80s and the early 90s, it was a case of, you were either academic or you weren't. Yeah. There was no in between. So if you weren't academic, you weren't really 
you know, there was kind of like, right, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so I discovered at about the age of 19, 20, that I was pretty good at sales. And I think the reason I was good at sales was just from talking to people. And mm-hmm. it wasn't really being a hard salesperson. It was just conversations again, getting to know people. And then that's how I managed to get my sales So I was good at sales and then I was promoted in um, a bank Mm -hmm. and then I moved on to um, Royal Bank in Scotland and I was in there for many years and again promoted to um, the biggest branch which was the flagship branch at St Andrews Square. I was only 25 then so Mm -hmm. I had like 88 staff. So it was big for mm. such a you know young person. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. It's proper. It was. It was. However, I never really um, found it so difficult, and I don't know if that's because I was young and I didn't maybe tend to worry about that side of things. And um, and I also had a really great boss who believed in me. Okay. Well, that that helps. Yeah, definitely, and I think he gave me so much confidence and. Even back then, when I look back at it, there was, you know, there was a few issues with people that were maybe jealous and, you know, they saw me that, you know, there's this young person coming in here, we've been here for 20 years and, you know, who is she to come in and do well? But because I had the backing from my boss, who was so encouraging, Mm -hmm. I just felt like it never really affected me and I felt like I had a voice. Yeah. Um, and then from then I went on to another corporate bank and again it was okay but I went off to have my first little boy and then returned and just probably really struggled mm-hmm. from then okay. and you know see if I could if I'm honest it probably wasn't because I had a little boy in my mind I feel that um, I went back to that world and you are you do tend to be overlooked for things because I think there is this or there was where I was this perception that oh you're a mum now you're going to be wanting to get away early oh you're going to be phoning in sick when they can't you know when your kids have got a cold it's going to be their phone call and um, it's a horrible feeling isn't it it is and the thing is when your kids do get poorly you know I remember again trying to quite I'm going to say farm them off to people but yeah. I felt this incredible pressure uh-huh. to still keep up with everyone else that I would you know be getting my in-laws and my mum and you know childcare can you take them and really they just wanted to be with their mum yeah it's when, horrible but you just go you know I can't you know I've got to go into work I, I would then start prioritising that environment mm-hmm. for yeah. for what really yeah. it was quite like oh god what am I doing and and it was probably just to keep in and still stay in that box that mm. you know that fitted in you know I wanted to fit in yeah and I didn't want to be known as an invented com as one of those mums that's mm. you know there's always a drama or something's going on mm. so I desperately tried not to let being a full-time mum affect my work yeah because I had a it was I was in a leadership role yeah and so there was a lot of pressure and um when you get to a certain level where I was you have got to do it all yep 
you've got to do it all. And you don't have, I speak to mums, and they didn't have the option to cut their hours down. It was mm-hmm. really frowned upon. Mm-hmm. They were thinking, I mean, childcare alone, when you've got a couple of kids as well, mm-hmm. and they were going to be going to work full time and then paying mm-hmm. a massive chunk of their salary out. So if you think of it from that point of view too, it's a lot at stake. Completely. You know, I went back and then, you know, I did a role which I enjoyed and then quite quickly I went off and had my second child. And, you know, I felt okay but when I went back after having Eden, the second one, everything just kind of went wrong for me. Okay. Really wrong. Um, it's like you say about this pressure I put on myself. Mm-hmm. I definitely put it on myself, more so going back after having the two. But being completely honest, there was definite pressure from that corporate world. Yeah. Um, to, you know, you chose to have kids, so you know you still have to you have to just deal with it and be Uh here and if you're in that level of position Mm -hmm. you just do what's right for the company yeah you do what's right for the company and god even when i say it out loud (laughs) you do what's right what on earth was i thinking but there's so many occasions um that i mean i god honestly i did an article about this and I remember feeling so scared to put it out, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to speak my truth here and just get it out there. I remember losing my shit so much with the kids, like, because of work, because of trying to get them out the door, we've all been there, right? Oh, I hate it. And do you know what, I still get ratty with them when when I tell them 50 million times to get their shoes on and they don't do it and they're just like fanny and on and do you know what? But God, I would be screaming, like, get your shoes on, like, crazy lady, and driving in the car, you know. Like a maniac. Like a maniac. I remember one time, right, I haven't shared this. Actually, in fact, I shared this with one person, my sister, because I broke down here on the phone. Um, It was so bad. I'd had a message from my boss. It was like seven in the morning. And you could tell by the tone of the, the message that I got, it was really like really aggy and straight away it set me off in the wrong foot. Mm. I had that knot in my stomach. I was getting missed calls here, there and everywhere. I'm reading emails on my Blackberry. I'm trying to get the kids out the door. And God, they were even younger then. I mean, they're seven and four now. So, you know, they were probably like two and five or whatever, you know. And I, I got them in the car literally like speeding out my drive mm-hmm. and the wee boy had the wee boy sneezed right and I just it didn't have a tissue and I was like oh my god you've not got a tissue and, I'm, oh. and I slammed the friggin brakes on and do you know what he nearly went through the windscreen I hadn't oh even put a seatbelt on oh. it's easily done though and it's just, easily done but do you know what it would have been easy yeah it, it is easily done right I bet you felt so much guilt though <laughs> but because of where my headspace was yeah. at mm-hmm. I thought you absolute psycho Jill what the fuck is wrong with you and I would love to sit here right now and be honest and say <laughs> And that was it. That was my turning point. That wasn't my turning point. I went on for about another year like that. Mm-hmm. I would like get them out the car, like literally like throwing them out to, you know, nursery, childcare, school, P1. And the wee boy really struggled in P1. And it was probably because he would see me so stressed out. And mm-hmm. there was a lot going on at home as well. You know, my mum wasn't well at the time. So there was a lot of pressure, but work didn't give. Mm-hmm. And 
I was so busy trying to get them out the door, not thinking about how it was affecting them or how my mood Mm-hmm. was affecting them mm-hmm. those little sponges that take in absolutely oh, everything I know breaks your heart right that I, all I was thinking is I need to get on a call and she got on a conference call in the car yeah. I need to zoom along the motorway and get into my work or I need to deal with this issue at work as soon as I get in and, and that went on for about a year until I left mm-hmm. and it was just crazy like there's so much so much stuff that and I just felt like I couldn't you know, I couldn't speak to anyone about it. You know, so many times I would literally go and shut myself in an office and like cry for like 10 minutes. Because you felt helpless. I just felt trapped. Like I was trapped, suffocated, weak, shit at my job. Everyone knew more than me. I was utterly shit. I was a shit mum, shit part. It spirals, it spirals. I think the the mum guilt as well, and we've got all these hormones and these emotions. And when we have her, I mean, the other day, just from PMS, I can feel there's a few days a month someone's impacts Mm -hmm. me and others not. And I don't know what that's to do with. I've been doing my research, it could be the moon, it could be um, (laughs) extra pressures you have on. But the other day, I was just trying to get them packed up. And um, where were we going? Oh, I was leaving out early. I was actually taking Charlie to soft play. Um, but I had a photo shoot in the afternoon, so I had to pack like outfit changes and la la la. So I getting them packed and Bonnie had to be at school and we were gonna be late and Charlie wasn't listening. I just said, Well you just get your shoes on. I screamed at him and we saw he just he just went oh, and then just broke down on the stairs and I actually had to shake myself and say, Look, I know you're feeling ratty, it's PMS cycle time, I get it. But I had to just stop and say, baby, I'm really sorry for shouting at you like that. I'm just, it's just mommy needs to get Bonnie to school and I don't like being late. I'm really sorry. Gave him a big hug. But you could see his wee heart and I just thought, it's so easy to lose our shit. It's so easy. Um, And uh, yeah, sometimes just a bit of a wake up to go, actually, how important is this? Uh How important, how how much is the world going to change if I'm five minutes late or for that photo shoot I forgot to pack lipstick or if I couldn't find the rollers or whatever this is my baby like at the end of the day when you look at your kids like they're your whole world but it can be so easy for everything else to take priority and sometimes it's just having that time to really I call it like gushy mindfulness or um, you know, having those pockets of time just to really go. Because there's nothing wrong with being busy and having goals and everything, mm-hmm. but just to have those moments in the day where you can go, wow. When you look, breathe it all in. Ah, look mm-hmm. at these little miracles. Like, yes, they can be full of snot and um, cheekiness and they can really push out all our buttons. But when you really strip it back and you just look at their hands or feel their head... Or just, you know, the simple things. When you're present with that, I, mm-hmm. I get tears in my eyes. And so, you know, you were saying earlier, you cry a lot now. Mm-hmm. I cry so easily now, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a really good thing because totally. I don't know if that's when you strip things back. I mean, you say, and mm-hmm. one of the buzz expressions at the moment is find your truth. Mm-hmm. Perhaps when you are living it more, it's more easy to cry. Or I, I don't know. You give yourself permission, uh-huh. don't you? Uh-huh. To just actually be you and Uh live in the moment and I thought that I had pockets of that that I did that but it was nowhere near enough what it should have been Mm -hmm. Um, because I was living probably a a huge part of my life who 
how I thought others thought I should. Uh huh. If that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, so like, you mean like people that were saying put on a performance or yeah. don't don't air your dirty laundry or well potentially I think so I think like because I'd been in that world for so long and you know having to be professional Jill and obviously you do need to be professional but there's almost this you know you're in this if your face doesn't fit and you're so desperate for it to fit when you're in that world because you're always, you know, talk about pure comparison and we can talk about that in a wee bit as well if you want, but in that corporate world, you almost feel like you're a child again because mm-hmm. everything is, you're, you're compared against your peers. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, that was a really good job you did, but this person was just a little bit better than you at it, so you're not getting as good a rating and you they're getting more of a pay rise than you because they're a little bit better than you at this. and all the time I mean you could put on the performance of your life achieve every target and have an amazing engagement colleague engagement result but then you've done everything that you can possibly do to be the best that you can be at your job and then it comes to the end of the year and you sit and your manager says to you yeah yeah that was really good but and this person also did that so you're not getting that rating you're just standard and you're just told wow. all the time your standards. And it is so gutting because I remember thinking all this pain that I've put myself through, all the tears, the stress, the, it, it impacted everything in my life, it impacted my relationship with Daryl, my partner, mm-hmm. um, the pressure, um, the, my relationship with my amazing, beautiful children for what just to scrape by with what an extra maybe thousand pound a year if I was lucky yeah all that shit for that but I was so desperate to fit in because I thought well what's my alternative yeah this is all I've got I can't do anything else because I've become so conditioned to believe that I was just you know you're just standard oh you've got pockets of greatness yeah you've delivered on that and that was really good but we like this person a wee bit more than you so no, they're getting it over you. So what was the breaking point when you thought, I, I'm leaving? The, the breaking point, I ended up going off and I've never went off with stress at work. Never. Again, I found it very shameful. And I remember, you know, I was I come from a single parent family. My mum was an incredibly strong woman and raised my sister and I to, you know, be strong women and, you know, don't take shit off anyone and, you know, but I just remember um, feeling ashamed, but I was at a point where I just thought, God, this is going to sound so bad. It got to a point where I was thinking, I hope I get ill over the weekend. Like, I hope I get really ill mm-hmm. and I can't go to work. Or I hope even just a little bump in my car, not too serious, but enough just to keep me off my work. Mm-hmm. And when you're starting to think those thoughts... That's not good. That's not good. And I for about six months leading up to it maybe even more than that probably about a year I was waking up at like 3 34 in the morning soaked in sweat wow. soaked in sweat like literally having to change um so that's an anxiety symptom mm-hmm. anxiety, anxiety complete and utter however my hair was falling out wow um however I didn't put it down to stress I actually thought I was going through the early menopause. Oh. Like, I went to the doctor. Doctor Google, I'd been on, goes to the doctor. I said, 
do you know what I I think I'm going through the early menopause you need to do some blood tests there's some stuff going on here how old are you? I am 38 Oh my so, day. so 36 I was at the doctor saying I'm going through and they did the blood oh, test I've just turned 36 <laughs> well, my, my, I was losing all this weight and but I was eating and I just couldn't work it out and they were so saying you were, you were still eating but do you think you were eating less because of the stress no I was eating but just eating more rubbish right. but I was just the weight was falling off me yeah. and people were starting to comment on it were they saying it in a good way like look at you or... no not in a good way um, tooth in and whispering and you know, even at work, a few people are like, is everything okay with you? You're really, you know, you're looking really thin. And I was like, look, I'm fine. Because, God, you know, when I talk about anxiety, I had it in abundance. But I didn't have it every single minute of the day. Okay, so when I was, um, you know, with friends, and I mean, I'm a very sociable person. We love having house parties and everyone comes around and all that. And I remember when I read your book, I I just felt so connected to you because I'm like, God, that's like me. Um, so we're always nice entertaining people. Oh, we are like that. the entertaining house. I've got yeah. to say that, you know. Um, I can picture you throwing a brilliant party. Oh, always. And Daryl always says that. He's like, who's all coming? I'm like, I don't know. My last count's about 50. He's like, 50? Are you joking me? Oh, um, it's expensive just, as well. It is expensive. <laughs> but... I wasn't anxious all the time, but there was always a bit of a cloud over me. Mm-hmm. No, I did laugh, you know. Mm-hmm. I did have fun. I wasn't sitting in my room or anything. Yeah. But, but I... here to add up the pockets of time when oh, you were feeling like that. Totally, totally. And I just, I remember feeling so stressed and kind of going and saying to my mum, I feel stressed. And But my mum had a lot going on. You know, my mum is incredible. She has battled cancer she is um, 65 now she's battled cancer since she was 50 on and off and she has you know been through chemo so many times lost her hair so many times been told you know you've got x amount of time to live but just defies the odds she's just amazing and I didn't want to add that pressure onto anyone to say I'm really struggling because god Everyone was going through quite a lot as well. It's hard. You almost feel like stress becomes a competition. And if someone is battling cancer, you kind of feel like, well, why do you want to hear about my problems? I know. And I know. The thing is with mental health, it's not, it's especially with things like anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's very real to you whether oh, you know. have a, a disease like cancer, which is horrendous, mm-hmm. and so is the mm-hmm. mental health that you can't yeah. see. I mean... It can take you to really, really dark places mm-hmm. if you don't nurture it. You know, mm-hmm. the starters. I mean, you could be in a pit and you could be feeling like you are stuck in a black hole mm-hmm. that you're never going to get out of. And I don't know if it got to that point with you where it was just mm-hmm. sheer terror in your mind or yeah. if it was on the way to, to that hell. I started to um, self-medicate, actually. I remember my mum had sleeping tablets from the doctor and I went into her house and she's always got a stash of, like goodies um and she didn't really use them much herself but she had them and I knew where they were and I snuck into the downstairs bedroom and I took a box of them and I was like I'm going to take these I'll just you know I went to speak to her about it I thought I can't put this on her so I took her tablets and um started trying to get better sleeps and um did they work for a bit they did but and I just I knew deep down Jojo that I just it wasn't right what I was doing and you know I'd take them to chill me out and then I would have wine 
Yeah. So you're not meant to have alcohol with them, or? Well, I don't know, but I would take them with the wine because I thought, well, wine will relax me. I'll take a couple of her sleeping pills, and I don't think you are supposed to probably drink on them. I just. I've spoken to people that say they numb, so with anxiety or depression, that have taken mm-hmm. them for when they're awake. So mm-hmm. not to sleep, but mm-hmm. to numb the dark feelings mm-hmm. that they get. Mm-hmm. Was that how, or were you, was it more for sleep you were taking them just to really chill you out? Just to chill me out because I just would go and I would literally not sleep and I'd have like two, three hours a night and that just is a killer anyway. That went on for months and I mean, I was getting up at like... Two, three hours a night. I mean, that's an anxiety breeding ground. Of course it is. you're not getting your sleep. Of course it is. Your mind starts playing tricks on you. And Did I was you getting caffeine up. caffeine in the day? Oh, God, yeah. Right. I was like four double shot Americanos a day. Oh. So I was proper wired. And um, again, I just, nobody knew though. I think towards the end, people started to see it at work. I was under a lot of pressure at work and... In that world, and God, you know, I wrote about this before, about the boss that I had, and, you know, I just thought, God, she friggin' hates me, like, she hates me, and I look back now, and we actually parted on very good terms, and, you know, she had shared a few moments, and it was actually really nice, and she didn't hate me, she had pressure from her boss that was incredible, and, but I think, in a corporate world, they don't realise that just because you don't fit in that box or you have a different opinion or, you know, you have, you know, different views on something, it doesn't mean you're wrong or you're not part of the group, mm-hmm. you know, because I think there is that. And there, I'm not saying every corporate environment's like that, but certainly from what I've witnessed, you know, if you speak out or you know, try and be different or have a different view on something, it's like, no, no. So is it like no. black and white? Very, very. Uh-huh. In, in, in my experience, in yeah, my experience. Because I, I would like to, I'd like to think there are also people tuning in who love their jobs in the corporate world and really, I mean, I've had Konica on here. I don't know if you heard that episode about her burnout at work. No, and actually, uh-huh. It's a really powerful one. Episode, oh, I should know the number. I'll um, look into that, but um, all about finding balance. And Konica speaks in the book about that when she had that severe, just, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's a personal thing. You need to listen to mm-hmm. your body and your mind. Of course, of course. And that's it. And I think that there's, there is that. There was that fear from me, and a lot of it was from me because I thought, you know, if I speak out and say I'm struggling, I'll be overlooked for things. Mm-hmm. People won't take me seriously. And you know what, I think there is elements of the, you know, as you say, God, there's some amazing um, jobs that people do in the corporate world that get a significant amount of support. Yeah. A significant amount of support. And for me, it was probably a bit of both that I didn't want to be seen as someone who needed it. And two, that there is an element of that you, when you're at that certain level, you can't see it you can't, because yeah. you are overlooked and unfortunately but I do I, I talk to, to to clients about speaking their truth and that is my truth that's my experience yeah, from course. where I was yeah. that I felt like I couldn't say I really need help here mm-hmm. because you're you're a bit of a pain in the ass yeah yeah you're a bit of a pain in the ass if it's such a high pressured environment do you want to add to it no you, there's work to be done and a lot of work to mm-hmm. be done 
I can totally understand. Mm-hmm. I speak to people all the time. I mean, so with you, what you do now then with the life coaching, mm-hmm. is that firstly from a personal point of view, how has that changed your relationship with the kids and your husband? So, yeah, amazing. So I obviously um, had an opportunity for redundancy that came up and it was just like the universe came at the time where it was at breaking point, it which was spoke to you. Um, and um, I was so scared though, although I was living probably a level four out of 10 in terms of job satisfaction, which then spilled into my personal life, I was still terrified to leave. Um, but I just had to take that opportunity. And um, I hadn't been in the bank that particular role for that long. I'd only been in there nine years and it was like, God, do I stay, do I go? And, so I had a chat with that boss um, who was absolutely fantastic, to be fair. She was so good, at, you know, and she understood where I wanted to go. And what she said to me was, Jill, your biggest strength that you have is that people want to work for you. Like, you take people on a journey. I always remember saying that. You take people on this journey and they walk through, like, fire for you. Mm-hmm. And I thought... God, that's that's my skill. That is what I love doing because so much of the job was pressurised. But the part that I loved was connecting with people and developing people. And I think that's why I found it so difficult to always put people in this corporate box. Yeah. Because everyone's so different. Yeah, we've all got our different... Yeah, absolutely. And everyone's got different strengths. And if you don't do X, Y or Z, then you're not part of that. And so I thought, right, what do I do? And I remember sitting, and it was my birthday, and... Um, and Daryl had said to me, like, what do you want to do? And I was like, this is going to sound really weird, but I'd love to do life coaching. And he's like, do it. Wow, what a great partner to... Exactly. And I thought he would be like, no way, Jill, you can't do this. Because we had just moved into this big house. We had more than doubled our mortgage. Mm-hmm. And um, we had so much work to do yet. We are getting our garden done. And I thought... Oh God, you know, I can't, I can't. And he was like, Jill, just, you know, do it. You can't keep doing what you're doing. You can't keep feeling this way. And he gave me some self-help books. It was The Miracle Morning and The Secret. And I remember reading the first few pages of The Secret thinking, oh, what a lot of of rubbish. (laughs) So you just manifest stuff, seriously. But I thought, I'm so desperate. I'm just going to keep reading it. Yeah. And literally from that day on, I just felt like, a weight had completely lifted off my shoulders because I had his support. Mm-hmm. Um, I started getting into mindfulness. I went on YouTube and just had some free apps. And um, I just started doing the Miracle Morning, savers, journaling, and didn't really tell anyone about it mm-hmm. because I thought people were going to think, you yeah, what's going on with you? You turn like, into one of those hippie wankers. One of those woo-woos and all that. What's all this shit you're doing now? Yeah. But I just thought, no, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me. This is about me. And I don't want to go to the doctors and get medication for this. I want to try and heal myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just sort of did that. And then I connected with um, a few people on Instagram and a chap on LinkedIn who I reached out to um, and it was the Mindful Experience and I asked him, do you know anyone that does life coaching? He then put me in touch with this amazing guy called Alistair Gray mm-hmm. and we had a chat and I just thought, you talked to me about his life coaching um, accreditation qualification course 
And I was like, I need to do this. It was like my calling, Jojo. I cannot explain it. It was like every part of my soul was just singing like, this is what you were born to do. Like you have had to go through all these experiences Mm -hmm. so that you can do this job now. Mm -hmm. So that you can help people. Yeah. And give them belief mm-hmm. to break through the bullshit. <laughs> and just, so I did it, I was terrified because, you know, I had never sort of done anything like that before. I didn't stay on at school. Like I left school and I just, I, they were talking about doing assignments and I was shitting myself. I'm going, oh my God, assignments. And I was so terrified. When I look at it now, I laugh because I'm like, oh my God. Mm. And it never felt that difficult after that. You know, once I started got over my fear of you know not being enough mm-hmm. because I remember going on the first call with everyone and looking at them all it was like a zoom call so you could see everyone on the screen how many were a part of the call there was about 25 and I remember looking at every single one of them feeling like I'm gonna have a whitey here I'm mm-hmm. actually gonna pass out <laughs> everyone I thought they're better than me but it was the conditioning that I'd had yeah. being compared always compared always compared yeah, in so that world yeah. So I compared myself, oh my God, he's a doctor. Oh my God, she's an entrepreneur. Oh my God, who the fuck am I? I'm nobody. Oh my God. But I kept going with the mindfulness, kept doing my meditation. I do it religiously and just totally connected with myself. I pulled together a vision board and fast forward six months and it's just the best thing that I have ever done. How long was the course? Um, the course was only for 20 weeks. Right, so is it, is it one, how many hours a week? So it was on a Sunday, but actually, you know, you could do a couple hours a day uh-huh. on it. And people tend to do it, a lot of people were working full time, but, you know, I had the luxury of really uh-huh. investing so much into it because I wasn't working at that time. Uh-huh. This was, there was no plan B for me. Uh-huh. This was it for me. It was like, I'm putting my all into this. How many assignments do you have to pass? Um, four, four assignments. And then you do, you'll be observed doing like a live coaching. And you also, so you do your written assignments, but you also do um, peer coaching. So like 10 weeks of peer coaching with someone. I remember coaching a peer that was on it. And then we were um, advised to do like, um, go and get some sort of coaching experience. So doing it for, for free, so coaching people and reaching out to people to do it. And getting and, their feedback. Yeah, and getting okay. their feedback. And so you were doing like, it was like 20 hours you had to do, but I, I did something like, oh God, about 90 hours. Mm-hmm. I coached like four people. Mm-hmm. And what sort peer. of people were you coaching? I actually really wanted to take myself out of my comfort zone. Um, I did men and women, and I reached out to a chap on LinkedIn who worked for another large corporate organisation. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Because I thought, Do you know what, Jill? Really step out, step away from this fear. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, I thought, I'm never going back to that world again. I'm never going back to it. But I thought, I'd love to coach a guy. Because I think there's... I've spoken to a lot of coaches who just sort of coach women. Mm-hmm. And for me, men need it so much as well. Oh, yeah, probably more because men and don't talk. talk about it. <laughs> exactly. And I coached him. I said to him, Look, could you, would you be interested in doing this? I'm in training, coaching training. This is who I am. 
and he was amazing he was like yeah I'd love to and we still keep in contact and in fact he has spoken to me about getting me into his world and speaking to you know his engagement team around you know motivation and my experiences and trying to to help them so it, it just shows you it can lead to other things I think the coaching space is very powerful mm-hmm. like I I really didn't understand what life coaching was until I met Emma from fourth coaching and we did the whole kind of I don't know I found it quite self-indulgent mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard that episode but I don't know what sort of co- if it's similar because she's from is it Animas coaching school okay is that different I don't know if you know about no no so that's probably a different one there's quite a few isn't there well I found it initially when we started it was like transformational dialogue yeah do you do that sort of stuff yeah so I found it very (laughs) self-indulgent because I was just talking at her Mm-hmm. And and then they're obviously trained in these probing techniques and yeah, things. And I was yeah. like, so what do you want? What do you want me to see now? I know, so similar, Jojo. The so pausing, similar. like, do you do that pause? Yeah, holding the space. Yeah, holding the space. So I struggled with this. If I'm honest, I remember because um, I've coached people in that corporate world for years as a as a as a manager, um, but I found what I found difficult is that listening space and holding oh. the space. Because I would want to tell them what to do. Uh-huh. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do, you know. Because um, I could see, I, I was thinking, I could see it. I could see where you're going wrong here. I, I'm going to help you. I'm just going to tell you everything you need to do. And, and the whole point with coaching is that it isn't doing that. It's getting them to figure it out. Because in actual fact, you hold all the answers. You yeah. hold all the answers. Yeah. You just need to connect with it. And it's funny because um, I've sat with one of, so I've, obviously I've passed the, the, the qualification now and I've got my own clients that I'm coaching and, and it's funny. How many funny. clients are you coaching at So the I've moment? got seven at the moment. Wow, so yeah, well seven done. at the moment. So I'm loving it. Um, I just love it though. I absolutely love it. It lights me up and the, the, the holding the space is an interesting one because you'll ask a question and sometimes there's just this silence and you're you're desperately trying not to jump in. It's really, at first with Emma, I was almost like, can you just tell me what you think on that? I know. And she wouldn't, but mm. it was really, really challenging. Mm. And actually looking back now, some of the things that we've spoken about months ago kind of make sense to me now, but mm-hmm. she never told me the answer. Mm-hmm. she would just say things and why do you think that is and it, it's weird yeah, I, I'd love to know like how the training goes because to it's a very powerful space and one of the things I've learned from it is getting time to know yourself because as you say totally. we all have the answers but having that space to figure out your values mm. you know what you don't want to um what's the word compromise on um, really working out who you are and actually started a blog which may be going out uh, tonight although by the time this goes live it'll be now a couple of weeks ago um, about goal setting because mm-hmm. I was thinking with goals if I was trying to work out why I hadn't achieved certain goals in my life and why mm-hmm. I had and I would like to say I'm a bit of a goal digger you know I've mm-hmm. done the podcast the book mm-hmm. I've run a marathon I, I tend to do what I say I'm going to do yeah. I was trying to work out why some of the things I haven't and I I guess if it goes against your values Mm -hmm. or against your core Mm -hmm. so it's understanding Mm -hmm. if that goal doesn't mean enough to me I'm never going to follow through on it totally 
So that's sort of that answer is mm-hmm. there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting when you talk about goals because and values. Mm-hmm. And I always thought I knew what my values were, what my core values were. And some of them I did, but I never lived by them. Do you want to share what they are? or? Yeah, so my biggest value for me is freedom. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's freedom to speak my truth and not be judged. Freedom to take my kids to school and not throw them out the door. Mm-hmm. Like to be free. I would say that's sounds, one of mine actually. Yeah. Which sounds so cliche, but it is so true. Like I used to say things like my values are, you know, to be this and to be that. I never freaking lived by them. Mm-hmm. I never lived by them. Mm-hmm. And actually, they probably weren't my goals. They were the goals in my family. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what you're brought up to mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. What your what your your values should be. Yeah. Okay? Limiting beliefs totally, as well. Totally. Totally. Um, Limiting beliefs are contagious. Oh. You know, if you think back, well, don't do this, don't do that. People tell you things what you were saying when you got here about when you're going to get a real job I remember oh, no. a, a guy in his 70s and he sort of looked sorry for me when he said it when are you going to get a real job and I just smiled and said oh you'll, you'll see um, oh I know I know, you know and, uh, it's the naysayers isn't it yeah. and you know I said that to you when I came and my mum again it's funny because she came from a totally different world and she panicked with us and she still she tries not to say it to me so she'll go to my sister and say I mean I'm really worried about your sister I mean, what is she doing with us? And, you know, and what is this life got What is this? What is this? And it's like, do you know what? This is something that I truly believe people need to know about. Like, the limiting beliefs and the self-sabotage that you think, you know, because you'll hear someone saying like that, when you go to get a real job, that won't work. You know, it's all the noise that's going on in your head and it's just actually just acknowledging that and, and recognising it because you still get it, I still get it mm-hmm. and I still get those thoughts oh, shit, oh my god what mm-hmm. if, what if but instead of suppressing it I'll call it out and say right there it is anxiety, there it is hi but you're not serving me, catch you later yeah it's letting the thoughts come in because mm-hmm. you can't actually stop the thoughts can you no. they just come and they come but I think once you start switching the dials around it's practice they come in less and less totally you know you're because you, you know oh actually i can do that mm-hmm. i can it's funny because when i was chatting a guy max was the one that prompted me to do the podcast and initially we were going to do it as a duo um and i was saying you sure you're up for this it's going to be a lot of hard work <laughs> no um <laughs> but i he said look i'm really surprised at you joe you're looking really freaked out because i was saying but what if no one wants to listen and what if this and what if that and he's like i'm so shocked at you mm-hmm. like it's so weird to see you behind the scenes this is not the joe we see in stories i said i'm scared i know but i'm gonna freaking do it I know. And then actually you realise with a bit of hard work, commitment, dedication and passion. Passion. Because you believe in what you're doing. I 100%. know that, I mean, I get messages every day, your podcast has helped me this week. Mm-hmm. So I know for a fact right now, this podcast is going to help mm-hmm. so many people. Mm-hmm. What an incentive to keep working oh, hard. God, and it does. And Jojo, I, I said that to you when I first came in. I relate so much to you. And what your story's done for me was give me permission to be me. Uh It really did because not corporate Jill, not someone that people think I should be, just be me and speak my truth 
um, that's a Lynette Gray phrase <laughs> um, I love her too she's an incredible just to be me and speak your truth and as long as you are not breaking the law or being, a being really <laughs> freaking offensive and out of order then so what do you know what there's going to be naysayers there's going to be people that don't like what you're saying but for every one of those there's probably 10 or 20 that really like it or maybe more yeah i got right so i did that article about um letter to my past self and again it was so scary because it was warts and all and it was when i look back at how far i've come i would never have told anyone about that let alone shared it with anyone that could read it so it's out there now right do you know i got so many messages from people saying god this has really helped me like you said and i got one message and i was when i was on my way to paris and and it was from someone who'd said you're i read your article and um i've been in such a dark place for the last two years to the point that i didn't want to be here anymore your letter to your past self has given me hope wow and I mean, see that's for powerful. me I mean how, how can you argue with that I mean honest to god I thought I could get a hundred haters right now mm-hmm. coming at me mm-hmm. and all I'm thinking about is see that one person that's that I know that I've had a hand in helping mm-hmm. them and give them even hope because if you've got hope then so I've got that person in my group now I'm checking in with them and it's not for the money and of course like this job and you know, I talk about people investing in themselves and it can be quite expensive. But see, for me, the best investment you will ever make is for yourself. Oh, of course, 100%. I've spent thousands of pounds on handbags, right? <laughs> I swear to God, and I still love all that, right? I would never have contemplated spending a large amount of money on myself. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. I honestly thought I will never do that. And I remember looking at life coaching packages and I was like, who would pay that? Are you kidding me? Blah, blah, blah. But see now, I mean, I've got a life coach. I've got a life coach and she does it over the phone from Australia, right? I have got a life coach. I pay to invest in myself because I know how beneficial it is mm-hmm. because you can have all the handbags in the world. You can have all the beautiful clothes. You can pay 40 quid to get your makeup done, 35 quid to get your nails done. But see when all that's off, mm-hmm. you've still got the thoughts in your head mm-hmm. that are consuming you. Mm-hmm. So, so powerful. it is unbelievable if you really invest in what's inside mm-hmm. and really connect with your heart space and break down the limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and the noise and the ego, you could have a limitless life. It's amazing because when Emma had approached me and we met for coffee, part of me was thinking, well, as a wellness kind of public figure type person, I don't think it looks good if I'm going for coaching mm-hmm. because what do I, you know, I'm meant to be mm-hmm. teaching people and, and I, mm-hmm. I'm the mojo giver and people are coming to me for uh-huh. motivation. And that was just my first limiting of belief, course, I guess. And then I realized, well, actually, we need self-development every day. We're, we're growing and we're growing and growth can be a really amazing but scary experience. Mm-hmm. And if I think how much I've grown this year, it's insane. And mm-hmm. the confidence and the... um you know the anxiety like shown at the front door and just 
Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's totally crazy when you invest in yourself. And and other things that you can do, like reading. Like, oh, I know. Do I need to watch Love Island tonight? I didn't watch <laughs> Love Island. I read books. No. Why did I want to look at people with six packs that I'm I never going to have? <laughs> I mean, I understand. I like, I, I love... A, I didn't get to see The Last Maid in Chelsea because I've been busy with the book and everything. But I, I love watching, like, mm. tra- a bit trashy TV. Mm-hmm. It's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. But... At the end of the day, would I get more benefit out of mm-hmm. reading a really good book um, and learning from that? So it's we all have the choice of how we use our free time. Yeah. We've all got free time. Mm-hmm. We've all got. We all need to sleep. We all need to work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, most of us <laughs> and we need to get some money coming in. And we need to wash and and whatever. Totally. But mm-hmm. with those extra hours we have, how do you use them? And if people make you feel bad, like, oh, how can you do that? Or it's not a real job. Or, mm-hmm. or if there's bitterness, you can say, well, we've all got the same amount of hours. We've all got the same potential in us. Yeah. We've all got magic in us. We've all got strengths. We've all totally. got something. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's figuring out what Connecting you want to do. It. Yeah, just figuring it out. But being focused. Being focused completely. And God, don't get me wrong. I actually went on this I was talking about it, saying that, God, how many times do I look at my mobile and... I've started putting it on flight mode mm-hmm. to get stuff done because I'm because you become addicted. Yeah. You become you've no friggin' time to do anything. You get your on your phone all the time. It sucks you in though because it once does. you're in, I find I'm going into videos I didn't even want to see. I know. I know. I'm liking things like a robot, and I'm going right. It's nice to support people as well because of people have been so supportive of me. But at the same time, you kind of need, you could be, you could just be like in every single post, thousands of thousands. Mm-hmm. When do you switch off? Mm-hmm. You need to limit mm-hmm. it. I mm-hmm. mean, I've started, like on Sunday, I put my phone away for a few hours. The other night, came down, left one upstairs because I'll be checking it during the show. Whereas, watch The Bodyguard. Brilliant. You see oh, that? Oh, it's amazing. Brilliant. Amazing. So first episode, we'll need one episode. Oh, one. I love it. Spoiler alert. I won't tell um, you. Oh, he's so good. So good to see a good Scottish character uh-huh. as well. He's good. He's brilliant. It was my mum that had said, I think my mother-in-law said too, get into that show. Brilliant. Oh, so good. Um, so we got that in catch-up and um, phone was upstairs. And right enough, I went upstairs after and I started checking the phone and going back to messages. I should have just read a couple of chapters of my book and then got to sleep. But that was that time, you know, I you've know. got to prioritise. Yes, it's good. social media is amazing, our phones are amazing, but we need to prioritise. You need to be strict. So you I do. think what you're doing, putting the air um Well, that's that, because if I put it in a drawer, right, and I don't put it on flight mode, I just automatically go and take it mm-hmm. out and I start doing that again. I have, psychologically, right, if it's on flight mode, I'm not seeing anything. No alerts are popping up. Yeah. It just works for me. Yeah. So flight mode at night, uh-huh. I've stopped doing it in the morning. Yeah. And then once I've dropped the kids off, because what I was finding was, I was, because obviously we build our businesses on social media, right? And it's a great platform. But also, I'm sitting, the kids are trying to get their breakfast out and I'm like checking my phone at the same time. And I'm like, this can wait. And do you know what? Guess what? It can wait. Yeah. It can wait till nine o'clock till they're dropped off and yeah. then I'll come back. But I've started limiting myself time mm-hmm. in the morning yeah. and then switching off again in the afternoon. Uh-huh. And because it's not fair. It's not fair because, um, you know, I'm sitting with Daryl at night and it's like, I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. And I can, even I'm hiding it, I'm like... Oh, yeah, you hide it under a cushion so, or something. It's so bad. It's so bad. But you know what? That's on me. I've got a choice. We talk about choices, right? I've got a choice. 
it can wait. Yeah. Nothing's going to be, you need to answer this in one hour. Yeah. Everything can wait a couple hours for us. Everything can wait. And that's the thing, because we've got freedom. We work we for do, ourselves. We do, that's it. So it's reminding yourself. Living by your values. Yeah, I cannot, yes, freedom. Living by your values. Like you've chosen this so you have freedom, so you don't have to say yes to everything right away. You can say no to certain things. You can take a bit longer than you normally would to re- reply mm-hmm. to the message to give yourself that freedom and the thing is no one's expecting you to come right back some some people might but they'll get the gist that's their issue exactly that's their issue it's your issue if you think you need to answer it all the time and the thing is what if you had been in back-to-back meetings all day well, i have some days it. where i'm in back-to-back meetings i'm not on my phone so mm-hmm. i'm sorry i didn't see it until eight o'clock that night it's nothing personal it's not <laughs> i know but it is it's just been more disciplined and living by our values yeah because it's such a habit to get into isn't it by seeing because then people expect oh you come back so quickly mm-hmm. you're dead efficient and then you feel like you need to live by that yeah, that oh you're oh, sh- they think i'm efficient i need to keep going yeah. i need to be efficient yeah. but do you know what we get to make the rules yeah we get to make the rules yeah so and you know i don't want to get into that space you don't you never want to get in that space where you don't enjoy it anymore yeah you have to enjoy it i think for me it was some weeks it really hits me and if I've been working really hard I've Mm -hmm. had a lot of speaking gigs or I've had a writing deadline or some whatever and then I'm like right just you have freedom here to slow the effect down and last week I did that and I spoke Mm -hmm. on social about it I made sure I slowed the effect down Mm -hmm. and it felt so good I was present with my kids Mm -hmm. like not every minute of the day but we talk about this in the book we Uh, we dip in and out mm -hmm. but we were baking and we were chatting and we were snuggling and I was oh they loved it I loved it it's just so good it's just so nice to give yourself freaking permission to chill the hell out every now and again give yourself permission isn't it it's just saying do you know what I make the rules. No one's forcing you mm-hmm. to do that. That's on you. Mm-hmm. I think you know your gut feeling as well. Oh, like, you do. You have to learn to listen to yourself when it's getting out of hand and you go, right, enough is enough. Um, I'm mm-hmm. just checking the time and we, we could speak about this all day. We're, <laughs> not, we're normally rolling for about 40 minutes, but the chats have been going so well and uh, really enjoying it. could talk about this. I think we're so passionate about this subject. I could talk about all day, but that's been absolutely amazing. Thank you. Um, brilliant chat, really important chat. I know mm-hmm. it's going to help so many. Um, I think we should shake it off now with a song. And you're also a Greatest Showman fan, is that I'm right? a massive Greatest oh, Showman yeah. fan. Yeah, we've got to do this. We've got to do this right <laughs> now. Awesome. Lie away. They say we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars Run away, they say No one will love you as you are Won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us For we are glorious When this world's gonna cut me down I'm gonna send the flood, gonna drown them out. I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, cause here I come. And I'm marching out to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. Oh. oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh, oh.